Welcome to the MC Universe, where the Lorehounds, your guides to the multiverse and beyond. I'm David. I'm Jean. And I'm Alicia. And we're here to guide you through this week's total temporal meltdown. We're going to recap and break down the fourth episode of Loki Season 2, sharing Easter eggs and our current theories about what is exactly going on. We'd also love to hear your thoughts about Loki as we discuss the rest of the season. Email your feedback to mcu at thelorehounds.com or head over to our website at thelorehounds.com and use the contact form or record us a voicemail. For ad-free versions of this and all of our podcasts, check us out at patreon.com slash thelorehounds. I'll share more about that as well as notes about our programming schedule at the end of the podcast. Also, we'd be forever grateful if you could help us get more ears tuned into the Lorehounds MC Universe. All you need to do is drop a five-star rating and review wherever you're listening. Apple Podcasts is especially helpful. Even if it's just a few quick words, we read all the reviews and they really mean a lot to us. And before we get started, just a quick spoiler warning. We'll of course be spoiling all Loki episodes up to and including the one we're talking about today. But spoilers for the rest of the MCU and the Marvel Comics are also on the table. All right, episode four, we've got two left in the uh, season. It is a heck of a ride. Uh, I know we're going to get into our hot takes in just a minute. Also, I think uh, just a a quick note, we're going to try and get this released first and then... We're going to have a special bonus episode coverage of Werewolf by Night, and we're going to drop that on Halloween. So if all goes according to plan and schedule, uh, keep your ears out for that bonus episode. That was a lot of fun to watch and to podcast about. Yeah. Alicia, want to set us up for the episode? Uh, Yes, episode four titled Heart of the TVA, and it was directed again by Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead. So this is the directing duo who are the main directors of the season. They're doing the rest of the season. Um, And it was written by, this time the credit goes to Eric Martin as usual, but also Catherine Blair. Uh, She's a novelist who has published two books with like brutal female-led fantasies. And uh, she doesn't have so much experience on the TV side, but she's been in the writer's room all season. And this, this is just the episode where she really got to make her stamp so she gets a credit. Interesting. It was a heck of an episode. So hot takes, Jean, uh, your leadoff bat here. Uh, what do you got? Well, I I said um, that I can't keep saying that this is my favorite episode. <laughs> 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 I, can't, I can't keep opening it up like that. But uh, I might have to say this is my favorite episode. <laughs> Seriously. Um, I love this episode. I think it was... It was I, Everything about this episode was what I love about comics and about stories. Mm-hmm. Um, I know some folks may not have the same affinity for the ending um, of the episode that I have, but I really appreciated it. The characters that I wanted to see, they all got some play. Things got explained. We got reveals that we wanted that we talked about earlier. And I just really, really, really thought it was a solid, solid episode. I enjoyed everything about it. I just really did. Alicia, how did you, uh, are you in the same boat as Jean? 
Um, not my favorite episode of the season. Not that I, I liked it. I think it was mm-hmm. good. It was well-made TV. It was a very important episode for the plot this season. Yeah, the self-pruning, the whole bootstrap bootstrap paradox confirmation, right. the Come, time loom. True. Yeah, time loom destroys the TVA. Um, this is stuff that I've been predicting all season, so it's not <laughs> a surprise. But I'm glad it's I'm glad it's happening now with two episodes left. You know, so. Yeah. Now we're, they are putting us into surprise territory again. I think the real strength of this episode was all the beautiful, moving, deep conversations. And yeah. so I understand why people might have mixed opinions because not everyone derives the same appreciation from that sort of nuanced emotional writing. Uh, but that's really where this episode shined. I do remember Kate Heron, who was like the de facto showrunner of season one. She kind of didn't like that... The episode where um, Mobius and Loki got pruned, uh, it ended with the, with a credit scene that teased that they were going to end up in the void and uh, there would be the Loki variants there. And she didn't like that. So I'm thinking that this was the reason there was no such tease this time. They just left us on a full-off cliffhanger. And I have to wonder, what would that tease have been? I have thoughts. Hmm. So I watched this episode... The other night when it came out, I was it was a long week. I had a lot of IRL work. I watched Werewolf by Night before this, mm-hmm. and then you know while I was waiting for for this one to come on air, and I was falling asleep during the episode on my first watch, and I wish I hadn't had that happen because I wanted the episode to have more punch. I went and checked. This morning, last night, and this morning, several other podcasts that are covering this, and there are notable cranks, MCU cranks, who thought this was an amazing episode. People were over the moon, or really excited, or really enjoyed it. The mid boys seemed to—I haven't listened to the whole podcast yet, but the, they seem to be grooving on it. So I was like, okay, God, what am I? <laughs> what did I miss here in this episode? I, I was just exhausted the other night when when it came on. So I rewatched this morning. It is so much of a slower paced episode. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like you said, Alicia, there's so much dialogue and talk, these character moments. There's long leads to where we get into actual action and having things happen. And I don't know that we're used to that as audiences. I think we like a little bit more high calorie count or, you know, empty food, you know, no less nutrition and more zow, wow, bang, you know, let's move it, you know, let's, let's make things pop off the screen. But on my rewatch, this was visually an amazing episode. The camera work again is just exceptional. Uh, the, the comedy that was sprinkled through really punctuated the dramatic moments. The music was so informative. And so uh, what's the word I want to say? It just sort of enveloped me into the mood of this episode. And I kind of wish I saw this on a big screen. I would have loved to seen this Mm. in a theater or some sort of surround sound and, you know, the immersive, especially the end with the music, it really would have packed a lot of punch. I cranked up my ear pods and turned up the volume on the the end scene. And even the end credit music this time, they've been playing with the different sounds music that they've been putting on opening and closing credits, the end credit music's even past the, uh, visual montage that we get when they just go into the regular black and white text cre- credits, that whole thing, that music was still in 
the vibe and the mood. It, it was really a well-crafted episode. The There's a lot of plot coupon collection going on, a lot of MacGuffin. Oh, we got to get this guy with this device into the right place to be able to flip that switch to do that thing. It's and, and sometimes that can take me out of it or, or kind of be annoying, but I didn't find it in this case. It just created a simple, it's a very simple narrative structure in that way. But then they're hanging all this stuff on top of it, like this conversation that Loki and Sylvie have and, and the stuff that goes on with Mobius in this, even though it's a short scene. So, yeah, I don't know. Uh, it's This season is turning out to be something that I was not expecting at all. This is this whole season is above and beyond my baseline for what we were going into. And I was trying to have a neutral baseline, right? Not letting, mm-hmm. you know, the show that shall not be named uh, to <laughs> inf- infect my opinions. But damn, this is uh, this is a different kind of show. Mm. It still feels MCU, but damn if they're not doing some different stuff to it. Uh, it's it's really it's it's really interesting. I don't know. Do you guys uh, is this going to rank on in your top ten, John? Do you think for the yes. end of year? Yes. Yeah. You yes. think it's going to break f- top five? Yes. Wow. Okay. I think it'll be in my top five too. Yeah, the okay. first season definitely was. Right. I've been thinking about our, you know, end of year stuff and I've been trying to think about how, you know, starting to reconnect with different shows and see how I feel, how things are, are connecting. I, I, I don't know yet. I mean, they have to land this thing. I'm really interested to see how they're going to land it, but it's probably going to be in my top 10 for sure. There's I a mean, lot of other great shows and a lot of other things I'm, I'm really high on right now. So uh, we'll, I'll see how it shakes out for my list. Coming, coming off the summer fiasco, yeah. um, <laughs> coming off of that, I really had high expectations for this series, right? I had okay. high expectations. Right, right. Even after what I witnessed in the summer, I was so sure that this is going to be a really good show. Mm-hmm. And it is. Yeah. You know, up until episode four, right? <laughs> four episodes in. I don't know what's going to happen five and six, but right now there is no way I can say this is not in my top five shows of the year. I heard from, I think the ringer folks got screeners. I think Seppenwall, a few other people, I don't know how, mm-hmm. who they gave screeners to this year. I've heard that screeners were out and they only gave uh, one through four to those people, whoever they, they gave to. And there was a lot of negative comments about, well, it starts off strong and then sort of, you know, mushes down a little bit. And I think this goes back to what we were talking about last week. This show is doing something that I think people are not expecting, that they're not used to. This is pushing pushing in a direction where it's not the usual pablum. It's not the usual comic book fair. This is a different thing. And if people don't understand and we don't feel like we, we talked about this last week, we don't feel like we know where the story is going and the overall structure. It's uncomfortable. And the ending of this episode is so freaking uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Literally black screen silence. What the hell? Mm-hmm. What the hell did I just watch? What is the show? Where are we going? How consequential is this going to be for the rest of the MCU? If it's not consequential to the other storylines, they can bring it all back and you know reposition things, but it needs to have had an effect on other stuff, just like the snap did. 
Mm-hmm. If the snap, they're just like, oh, the snap, we reversed the snap. It's all cool. Woohoo. You know, <laughs> no, it had consequences. It drove, you know, it drove people into deep depression. It, it, yeah, it there sent were five other years. People, yeah. Yeah. It sent people off into other parts of the galaxy. Like, I can't deal with this. I got to go off and do some other stuff. And it, it broke people. And uh, even, you know, post restoration, that still had consequence. And so for me, for a unified storyline, that's important. So I'm really going to be watching how is this uh, event that happened in episode four going to uh, ripple out into the larger storyline? Again, you bring everybody back, whatever, I don't care, but show me the effect on character. Show me the effect on story. That's that's what I'm going to be watching for. It'll be really interesting. I have no idea. I am completely... I am completely stunned. I have no, I don't know what to think in, in, in some regards. Alicia, how did you, I mean, we'll, we'll litigate the ending, but like, what do you think about it for the, the larger story perspective? Yeah. I mean, I, I hope that indeed that it really, um, a lot of people seem to think that they might not have things that in the TV shows affect things in the movies, but I think they're showing that that absolutely is the case, but mm-hmm. yeah, I want them to bring together relatively soon. Um, all the multiverse shenanigans have happened here, happened in the Doctor Strange stuff, happened in the Spider-Verse. I want to know how what the overall cohesive picture is. But I see, I saw another visual reference to, to the Spider-Verse movies in this episode. When they're scanning the room, it looks just uh-huh. like when they did the same thing. Um, so I, I feel like they are planning that. They, I have, they have my trust that they know where they're going with that. Okay. Right, right. Can we, I, I think maybe when we, on the final app, or if we do, if we end up doing a, a rap or another bridge episode before like the Marvels or something, I want to break down, do a little bit of a breakdown of the end credits scene, mm-hmm. uh, especially with, <laughs> with your perspective, Alicia. I haven't watched any new Rockstars videos or anything like that, looking for the Easter eggs, but there's two books that they flash in there. Uh, that uh, I th- something about black holes and something mm. about the oh what well, is the, the, the we saw Z- the black hole effect today <laughs> yeah and then there's something about something paradox or something there's another spine of a book I I, I saw but I didn't was it the bootstrap it. paradox maybe I don't know I actually I need to pay more attention to the end scene to be yeah right, I didn't, I didn't get that up either yeah yeah and then I think you up. said there's a sling ring on on the desk mm-hmm. at one yeah, point yeah I saw well. that yeah so I think it, it that's at like the very end they kind of zoom in on it. <laughs> yeah, I think it might behoove us to take a closer look right. uh, at the end credit scene after we get through. I, let's enjoy what we're doing now. We don't need to go on a, a shadow hunt, but mm-hmm. uh, I think it would be interesting to see once we see what they do with this, how that's all, you know, what what they seeded in there and, and, right. and how that, that might connect. Okay, cool. Well, I think that's it for our... Uh, hot take. Let's get into the episode breakdown, but first let's take a quick break. And then when we do, we'll, we'll talk about the episode. And we're back. Alicia, thank you again, as always, for the excellent notes. It was fun to see you writing it out this morning in the, the Google <laughs> Doc as I was doing my my second watch. Uh, what do we have, Marker? So why don't you begin to uh, lead us through the episode? 
yeah, so going through mostly seam by seam, but lumping some stuff in the middle together, um, we begin with well, protocol 42. So we pick up with a tease with a tease that Miss Minutes, Tara Strong, left us with last episode, uh, where she she shows Ravona Renslayer, Gugu and Bathu Raw, a memory from this room at the Citadel at the end of time, uh, showing Ravona standing at the window with he who remains, Jonathan Majors, promising her the end of the world, a utopia at the end of time, for all time, always. In other words, the recording Loki overheard in the TVA boardroom in the past in episode one. Uh, but then Ravona walks away and Time Kang tells uh, Mistress Minutes that it's time to execute Protocol 42, wipe everyone's memories, including Ravona's. Back in the current day of, at the end of time, whatever that means, uh, Miss Minutes was right. Renslayer is very angry, especially when she finds out that she was the freaking commander <laughs> of the whole army. Uh, Miss Minutes points out, maybe we don't need him. Maybe we never did. Hmm. So this was the, the answer to the question. It felt inevitable. Right. Like it felt like it was the right mm-hmm. piece of information and it was, it felt like the, the right setup. I mean, it, it can be dangerous to do these kinds of, uh, of setups, but I thought that it was perfectly smooth and flowed nicely. And it is the right kind of motivation I, that I think would, would kick Ravona off. Right. I think inevitable is a good word for this episode. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah. This is like a natural culmination for everything that has we've been moving towards. It doesn't feel forced or, or out of, out of joint, out of order. I couldn't help, but think we just watched uh, revenge of the Sith the other day for our star Wars film festival. Mm-hmm. And John and I recorded our, uh, our podcast for it. Uh, uh, protocol 42 order 66. I don't know. It's, it seems like there's a spider a very, 42. Is that right. what? It, okay. The spider and of course, that miles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because the universe forty-two is where we ended um, yep. into the spider. Uh, sorry, across the spider verse. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So forty-two, mm-hmm. the connectivity. You know, they don't do these things by accident. I don't think. And right. of course, it's famous because of yeah, Hitchhiker's Time to the Galaxy, where it's the answer to the question, "What is yes, like the universe, right. the meaning that's of life, right. the universe, and everything?" Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Uh, that which is a, a great book, and apparently it was slated for uh, a remake. I saw it on some lists, and I thought it might be coming out in 2023, but I'm not sure where it is or what's happened to it. But yet another one. I still think well, the yeah. original BBC televised adaptation of it was the the best one, but maybe that's just nostalgia. So <laughs> it's right. I, I mean, it's one. I think that they have they haven't nailed it the way that they could yet. So right, I, no, I'd be up for a new haven't. one. Yeah, I'd like to check it out. So this little mini 3D model that they were in, it was like sort of a little, you know, 3D printed uh, thing. I thought that was really interesting to see Ravona's face behind them in the window sort Mm -hmm. of mirroring. That was really interesting perspective. Again, the camera work and the shot setup on this is is really exceptional. That was a really, really interesting point of view. And the look of horror and disgust that she had on her face as she's watching that. Right. Right. It said so much. I give credit to the actors because they, they are knocking it out of the park mm-hmm. um, this season. They, they really are. I, I, I don't have any complaints about any performance that I've seen thus far in, in the season. 
everyone who gets a line, everyone who gets uh, screen time, facial expressions, body language, the delivery of lines, just excellent. Just mm. really excellent. And anger that she had, I felt. Mm. The disappointment that she had, I felt. The disgust. Mm-hmm. The disgust that I had, that she yeah. had, I felt. Yeah, yeah. It was awesome. Just really awesome. Awesome. Awesome storytelling, too, because it puts her at, at odds with Kang, right? And like we talked about last, last week, there is a, a, a comic, there is a comic arc that has her at odds with Kang. And okay. they didn't do it in that way, but they still made it relatable. They still mm-hmm. made it something understandable to her, mm-hmm. the TV version of Ravona. Mm-hmm. And that's what you want to see. If you're not going to do a direct comic to screen adaptation, you have to make them the person that we're watching has to have some sort of reason for being the way that they are. Mm-hmm. They give her reason. They give her agency. They give yeah. her all the things that she has in the comic books, but make this her own character. Right. And right. I love it. They I gave us the, the the core motivation last episode when Sylvie says, "Oh, you, it's power that you crave." Yes. Right now we have yes. the key to unlock Ravona's uh, personality, and now we can see it start to unfold and un, and we can really see. And then so when she does find out that disgust of the disgust of being used and the yeah. disgust that you used me, you son of mm-hmm. a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. And also, he who remains in that moment. Mm. It's not the he who remains that we met. Last uh, b- 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 what? <laughs> Just look look at their the way he's the way that he is in that scene with Ravona is not the person that we met last season. Okay. The one that at we met last season time, was a little cuckoo, I think. This, a little bit this sort guy of is in, yeah. at her. This, this guy is that we that, just yeah. saw that that we just saw is in complete control sure mm. of everything mm. of his senses of his emotions of his thoughts of everything there's no there's no stuttering there's no roundabout you know ways of speaking he is clear he's direct he's forceful mm-hmm. he stands upright mm, interesting his shoulders are not slouched he's mm. not bending over this is somebody who's in command. Mm. This is somebody who's been to war. And at that moment of time, he is king. He mm-hmm. is the last one standing. The he who remains that we met last season looks kind of defeated. Mm. Like down, so- downtrodden and, and, Unsure, almost unsure of himself in the way that he's talking when he's talking to both Lokis, to Sylvie and Loki. So I'm not, are you saying that this is a different timeline Kang or this is a person who, because the way that I was kind of reading it was this is a, um, like if I, you know, going back 10 years in my own life, I'm a slightly different person than I am today. That, you know, the the, the effects of time and, and things that, that has on us. And so I always kind of read him at the end of time in season one as having gone insane a little bit. He's gotten everything he wanted. He's got everything in place. He's the King. 
okay, now what do I do? I'm just sitting here and being in this weird place, isolated away from everybody. He's kind of gone nuts. Where here, he's just coming off the the epic. He's just won the war, you know, uh, and he's you know creating his um, uh, utopia, his paradise at the end of time, kind of thing. And he is at the top. So are you, but are you saying that it's a different timeline or are you just saying it's a, uh, can I point something out? Um, yeah, of course. And, I, and then I, <laughs> I David. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it's, it may, it's something to think about in, in regards to this. Um, uh, I don't know if it's overthinking on my part or if it's a genuine clue, but okay. I can't help but notice that what, uh, what he who remains says to Ravona in that recording uh, that Miss Minute shows Ravona. It's different. It's not exactly the same as what Loki hears in the past, because yeah, like the cadence yeah. is slightly different, yeah. and that could just be they took they use two different takes. But then I ask myself, why would you use two different takes? It would be so easy to just use the take you like as the recording. So I don't know if it's overthinking or if that is a clue. That we're trained to be. hunt for for Mark Rays, right? You know, we're, we're trained to hunt and the shadows. My thing is, you know, I'm not saying that it's a it's a different time. Line, okay, right? It could be, but I, what I was originally thinking is that what he's done, trying to control the timeline, has driven him insane. Yes, yeah, I yeah that that was my head cannon. So the the entirety of the TVA, that level of focus to try to maintain the sacred timeline and destroy every other timeline that exists is what has made him insane. So his creation has driven him out of his mind Mm -hmm. where we see him before the creation of the TVA. He's in complete control. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. And to the point that he, he, um, when he says to her, Oh, I'm proud, I'll proud, I'll be proud to lead with you. And then he's kind of mm, a little bit off. And then he says, oh, Go ahead, I'll, I'll catch up with you. Partners man- manipulating. He yeah, told exactly. us he doesn't like partners. Yeah. Partners. <laughs> yep. And, and he's manipulating her to, to sort of mollify her, to lead her into that, that trap of, of getting the order 66 or sorry, protocol 42. <laughs> um, <laughs> So I did like the comment that was made. I forget who said it now. Uh, for all time, always. It was I on think the recording. She says it. Yeah. Well, they so say it to each other. They yeah. both say it. Right. They're he, there. He says for all time. She says always. Always. Yeah. Uh, which is kind of like a love language thing yes, that you yes, might yes, say. Yes, so yes, he does absolutely. love her, but he's, he's so insecure. Whatever his insecurities are about trust and relationships, he can't. Mm-hmm. But then inside the, um, in the control room at the loom on the door, on the gangway, you know, the door on the gangway, if you're outside looking back at the control room above the door, it says for all time, always. Always, mm-hmm. yeah. So it's like a really nice, I was like, ah, yeah, there's some connective tissue in the. Like when they said that line, I immediately thought of them being together as Mm -hmm. in, as in the comics, you know? So it it was just like, but then it was like, nah, that's not what's going on here. That's not not what's going on here. But I think he loves her. I think he, he does love her. He just can't get over his, whatever the psycho, the psychology that he has about relationships. Mm. Right. Mm. 
I notice um, he calls her, he says to her, you are quite a marvel. And last episode, we, we had Victor Timely's temporal marvel, marvels. So nice. yeah, they seem to be slipping uh, it in there. Anyway, they in can. the marvels. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yep. So this is, again, and I've, I've said this multiple times now on, on these podcasts, it feels like they're doing the Marvel interconnectivity right. They're balancing it. They're seasoning this just right. You know, a little too much salt, can't eat it. A little too salt doesn't flavor right. So I think they're getting that ratio pretty good here in, in making us feel connected to the wider universe without bludgeoning us with it or going, God, do I have to yet again, what, what I get, let me get out my notepad and start writing down all the characters and threads that, you know, I'm, I've got to pay attention to next time. That means I got to go watch five more movies to get the, you know, the one after that. Mm-hmm. It doesn't feel like that at all in this. It feels really, really well balanced. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I, I feel for Ravona though, definitely in this scene, at least, you know, later on, we'll talk about how much I feel for her then. But, <laughs> but you know, she's, she realizes she's like, wait, so he wiped my memory and I've just been doing his secretary work to keep him in power here <laughs> the whole freaking time. The whole yeah. time. Isn't that yeah. just like Always. a man? Yeah. The whole time. <laughs> well, I'm not, I'm saying it like that, but it's just yeah, like no, a cat. I, I, I'm making fun of it. We'll say it. Yeah. 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 So it's, it's it's a really great plot. It's, it's great drama, right? It's a really mm-hmm. great dramatic tension between these big characters. So, yep, good stuff. We get into the episode itself, back at the TVA. Victor Timely, uh, aka He Who Remains of Another Timeline, it now seems pretty certain, steps into the TVA alone for some reason and is startled to find himself in front of a massive golden mural of his own face repeated over and over. Uh, B15, Wunmi Masaku, Loki, Tom Hiddleston, and Mobius Owen Wilson find him wandering the halls where we can hear those increasingly alarming loudspeaker announcements we heard when Loki was time slipping in episode one. Um, they need Victor's help. No time to explain. It has to do with the loom. And then Sylvie, uh, sorry. And then Sylvie, Sophia DiMartino strolls up making it a party. <laughs> so it. yeah, it was cute. Why, yeah. Why are they letting Victor walk around the TVA by himself? Didn't they all leave Man. together? <laughs> he let, he went through the time portal before them. Yeah, that's okay. right. He did. Okay. He did. So yeah. he arrived before them, but still, uh, yeah, like put a somebody has to be there watching him always. You know what I mean? Like, he had Don't total, let this guy in this episode. He had a lot of free reign. Yeah, he wandered he, a lot. Yeah, he did by himself. Like, no, you can't let this guy out of your eyesight. But that's us. That's me thinking about who he could be, mm-hmm. right? And he told us in the last episode, "You don't know me." Right, so, right. Mm-hmm. you know, my bias is like, keep your eyes on this guy always, right? He, mm-hmm. Yeah. But does he deserve that? He says himself, I'm from Chicago, my friend, the <laughs> shadyocracy <laughs> capital of the world. So, that's a like, great line. That's a great yeah. line. But uh, that's not, it's a little incriminating for him as well. Although, it oh, is, my, it is. I loved his delivery. It's, oh, it's a party. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> And oh, this yeah. is where they were sprinkling humor into this, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And it was, it was a nice humor. touch. And he's like, oh, it's a party. <laughs> yeah. You know, that was like, it, it leavened the scene slightly. So even mm-hmm. though we're getting a very, and it prepared us for the next round of serious conversation 
right. about, um, you know, you're, you're trying to reassure me it didn't do what you thought it was going to do. <laughs> and then we need to get into some more serious conversation. It, it's, it's really good script writing, really good yeah. storytelling. Yeah. And you feel heat for him a bit. He's like, you all want me. I should have some say, mm -hmm. which Mobius agrees with. Um, but I love that Loki understood appealing to his pride. He's like, oh, yes, that is your loom that we're talking right, about. Right. And you're the yeah. only yeah. one who can help us. Yep. <laughs> Great stuff. Do, Great do stuff. You, how do you guys feel pride. about <laughs> um, Unmi Masako's utilization in this season? I feel like they're underutilizing her. I mean, I... I I don't know. I just, she's a, she's a great asset and I, I just mm -hmm. don't feel like they're, she's, she's very B15 in this season is very two dimensional, I guess you could say. Yeah. I think they're setting her up for um, a political position, you know, to sort of be maybe the Ravona style head of the TVA, but they haven't, she hasn't been able to show her personality yet, which is weird because she is one of the few people who does know her life before she has some memories of it because of last season. So I'm hoping, well, I have thoughts about where they're, what they're going to do with the rest of the season. I'm hoping we're going to see her on her timeline being a more colorful person, a more, you know, lively, you know, having more That's personality. Okay. Okay. Um, one uh, little Easter egg, not Easter egg note, but you know, just one of these little visual cues is that we get a, a clear shot of the coffee, chocolates, uh, hot chocolate soup <laughs> machine mm -hmm. that's in the hallway there where they later get it. Oh and we God. get some uh, scenes of that again in the credit scene and the end credit scene as well. So along with the banana in the, in the vac tube, uh, in the pneumatic tube thing. So they're play, you know, maybe that none of this stuff means anything. It's, they're mm -hmm. just having a little bit of fun, but it is nice connective tissue. It is. So, yeah, so then B-15 debriefs uh, Judge Gamble, Lid's car, the judge who had sided with them in episode one, uh, who now knows that General Doc's Kate Dickey is alive and in custody with all of her surviving followers. Gamble points out that they would have pruned them all in the past, and that would have been simpler, but B-15 insisted the TVA needed to change, so that should apply to Doc's and company as well. Uh, they were only trying to do what they thought was best after all. Meanwhile, OB, Kei Kwan, and Casey, Eugene Cordero are modeling possible fixes for the loom, but nothing is solving the problem. Enter Timely Victor Timely with the rest of the posse, and some mutual fanboying ensues. And after a gentle prod from Sylvie, OB unveils his practical model of the loom he just casually whipped up on the side. <laughs> One of them is going to have to take the throughput, multi uh, the throughput multiplier fix down the gangway and load it into the loom and launch it to where it needs to go so that it can help the loom handle the wildly branching branches. Only one wee giant problem. The temporal radiation has gotten worse than when Mobius did this. So whatever, whoever it is, is going to have to walk really fast. Did you Man. see Ouroboros is everywhere, Jean? Yes. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. That's why I just said, man. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's everywhere it's in this world. It's everywhere. Way. It's everywhere I look. Oh, my gosh. And you know what? I'm happy for it. Because, you know, just, no, because you know it, it confirms what we've what we've been seeing, right? What we've been saying about this entire season, uh -huh. right? The snake is a snake eating its tail, right? Mm -hmm. Right. This entire season, like 
who comes before? Is it Victor Timely? Or is it Obi? You know what I mean? Is it who wrote the book? It 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 just there's no there's no beginning and there's no end. It, it's a it's constant circular action going on, and um, mm. I, I I appreciate it. I like it, but yeah, and I like that I'm. Seeing, you should watch Dark on uh, Netflix. Yeah, have you seen Dark? Dark? I think I I think I might have watched like. Uh, the German one about a with a kind of a in the forest reactor. or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Yeah, I didn't watch about the whole time thing. travel. Okay, okay. yeah, yeah I didn't watch. So you got to be into time travel stuff to to, yeah. to do it. But man, it is a rewarding. It gets show. more and more and oh. more complex as it goes. All right, so I'll put that on my list. I'll, I'll it's so good. List. And then they then they sank eighteen ninety eight, nineteen ninety. Well, eighteen ninety nine. Yeah. yeah. No, I loved terrible. that one. You did. Oh. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I'm still hashtag save 1899. Still. At least we got Tom back for Wheel of Time, just saying. <laughs> right. <laughs> Fair enough. So, yeah, I, I really like seeing Ouroboruses everywhere. Mm. Yes. Yeah, down to the signing each other's books. I thought that, yeah. that was even more Ouroboros. Yeah, I thought it was really, really cute. great. I really, love that. Ahead, I love that uh, not to scale sign underneath the loom when they yeah. roll it out. I was like, what the hell? I didn't get a second go to pay. Humor. Again, the humor yeah. is just nicely played out. And Kei Kwan is so uh, disarming and yeah. charming in his uh, his delivery of his lines and his his OB-ness of it. It's a perfect role for him. And, and I have to wonder when he had time to build that model, considering he couldn't exactly. like help them look at the temp pad last week. But he's just like, I only could do one one layer of paint. Um, but yeah, they also, they confirmed one of the bootstrap paradoxes. So we have, so, uh, Victor yes, Timely wrote, right. Victor Timely wrote this, uh, manual, uh, but OB wrote the manual, but they both based it off each other. So it's just like a, that again, they called it the Ouroboros, but it's a bootstrap paradox. Right. Right. So yeah. Who be got who chicken or egg kind mm-hmm. of thing. Right? Chicken or egg. Yeah. That's perfect. It was the egg, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Cool. Um, I love when yeah, just his casual OB delivery. Uh, it was created when someone killed He Who Remains <laughs> and ruined my life. And Sylvie just looks proud even when he, she ruined his life. It's very cute. It's very cute. Um, but yeah, I think like he's a great teacher. But then I do wonder if there's more to the way he presents things. It seems like, and now look, I'm going to very pleasantly talk to you little child brains. And Mm. (laughs) (laughs) like, I feel like at some point we're going to see him break that persona and see a different side. Mm. Yeah. And that's going to be possible. That's possible. When he's doing the whole narration too, about enlarging the loom and, and whatnot, the camera work, there was a great scene where, the camera's just down onto the gangway and we're uh, who I forget who's, who's back there. Was it uh, Victor timely was looking down it uh, down the, the ramp and then the little uh, figurine walking along again, the exceptional camera work really does a lot to help tell our story and feel, make us feel co- very connected to these characters in this, in what could be a very confusing plot timey wimey, Mm. I, I never feel lost or disconnected from from the primary right. characters, right. and and, yeah. it, and it's all down to that camera work and putting us in positions like that. So, yeah, 
Yeah, and they manage to capture relationships with casual dialogue. Like, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. I love uh, when Mobius is like, okay, well, Loki's really going to have to hoof it then. <laughs> like, what? What? <laughs> it's your it's turn got now. a helmet on. It could be anybody. Yeah. Brilliant, yeah. right? Doesn't yeah. look it's like not me. my shape. <laughs> <laughs> it's your turn. Oh. Yeah, exactly. So cute. Um, and the so the little gadget that Victor Timely has, um, yes, oh yeah, the little yeah. potato bug thing. Little, I mean, I've seen poly. it pointed out that it looks similar to the stuff that they were using, having to do with Kang's time chair in, in Quantumania. Mania. Okay. Definitely. So, yeah, that's interesting. And that's also the last time we saw, well, in addition to what Wanda did to poor Reed Richards, the last time we saw spaghettification was yes. in Quantumania when we were getting close to uh, Kang's time tech. Yes. Interesting. So, again, connective tissue, right? Good stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but we get a, throughout the other scenes of interrogation, we get a nice food interlude uh, where (laughs) while Mobius craves pie, Sylvie is losing her cool thinking about all the billions dying on branches everywhere. And she calls Mobius out from uh, hiding from the truth of whatever his life was on the timeline. But Sylvie can't escape her destiny, which in this case is Pyland where she has a chat with her other self. Loki defends his bro uh, Mobius and Sylvie <laughs> and he hurl accusations as to who needed or abandoned whom. Uh, but when it comes down to, well, yeah, but what it comes down to is that Loki is playing the optimist idealist and Sylvie, the cynical realist. Uh, meanwhile, Victor timely is also having a craving. He must see this wondrous hot cocoa making apparatus <laughs> for himself, leaving Obi and Casey to handle the problems with the modifications to the throughput multiplier by themselves. Um, yeah, so this was a nice, it, it was a nice downtime, a lot of emotional things. And also, I wonder if they're planting seeds with, I, what do you guys think of like the whole coffee uh, interlude? Or sorry, hot cocoa interlude? Do you think, did that feel out of place? Do you think uh, he was up to something? No, I, okay. I, I keep going back to last week's episode. When he keeps saying, when he's his his theme is, I'm not who you think I am, mm-hmm. right? But I'm just predisposed to thinking that he has ulterior motives, right? When maybe he doesn't. Maybe he's just really fascinated by a machine that just happens to make hot cocoa. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like he's an inventor. He's a he's a scientist. He, but he, the way he left the other two struggling with the device is what made me suspicious. It's go ahead. So yeah, I mean, it is. It's a device to get him out of the room so that he can be recaptured. Mm-hmm. I didn't really notice it until now, is that we started talking about it. Um, uh, and during it, I thought that it it, it went on a, a a little long. I think I kind of forgot about it though later. But it was a little, a little bit much. But uh, now that I think about, you know, the way that I headcanoned it in the moment was he was just fascinated by the fact that you could have a machine make food. So, and that's just his okay. mechanical I, nature. So, I like the, the way they played right. it with their mannerisms and the music. It was very mm-hmm. like reminiscent of silent films. So I appreciated yeah. that. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and and the thing too is he's coming from you know, late 19th, 19th century, right? Right, yeah. The late 1800s. So all of this is has to be 
fascinating beyond mm-hmm, comprehension mm-hmm. to him. You know, all this technology that he can only have dreamt about and seeing these things play out in the way that they're playing out, I think it would be false to think someone who is an inventor is a is a, a mind very much in 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 his own life he's a futurist to mm-hmm. experience this future and not be amazed by every little detail of it would have been false to me okay yeah yeah although i noticed at one point he like puts his uh hand to his chin and you can see how ripped he is i'm like well <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's quite the physique yeah, yeah. for a 19th <laughs> I mean, century yeah, inventor yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> It looked like Kang is, you know, about ready to come out of the, those clothes. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but I love this entire, um, the scenes for this entire period right here. Mm-hmm. The Mobius needed that dressing down. Mm. Oh, right. Mm-hmm. He yeah, needed from... that dressing down. Right. Like right. to act the way that he's been acting, like, oh, ho hum about it. Mm-hmm. Very bureaucratic, you know. You you think of the TVA as a as a entity that has people who are working and just going about their business, and this is what he's portraying. Like this is just another day. Ho hum. Let me you know. Let's do this, and you know this is what the job entails. And Sylvie G calls him, him out. She G checks him immediately. It's like mm-hmm. what are you, how are you, you talking about pie? Mm-hmm. You have billions of people actually dying. And you mm-hmm. over here talking about pie. Like, what, what's wrong with you? The clocks you know don't I mean? tick at the TVA, do they? Right, yeah. Timelines are just lines on a monitor. Yeah. Just yeah. lines on a monitor. Just right, like names right. on, a, on a piece of paper. You know, just, numbers yeah. on a chart. You know, mm-hmm. but those numbers have real people behind them when, when you're working with data, right? They have right. real people behind them. There's real people in those timelines, Mobius. Real lives right. are being But gone. also by by him not connecting with his prior life, he manages to distance distance yes. himself from that, yeah. you know? That's a yeah. good point. Yeah. It makes him easier not to care. Yeah. I, I thought it was also interesting that in this scene, uh Sylvie's face is in darkness and his is in bright light. She's not so dark mm. that you can't see her features. And uh, a lot of times uh uh, television makers, filmmakers, cinematographers, or whatever, will use that light dark to, you know, give some subtle cues and communication. So I thought that it was interesting that they sh- they made a decision to shadow her, but that really put him in a bright spotlight. Maybe in the spotlight of, I don't know, I'm, I'm kind of working like out on my head. Like an interrogation? Yeah, that's exactly what I was mm. thinking. Like she's putting mm. the spotlight on him. It's not like they're trying to shadow her so that she's in darkness. Right. Uh, and she's the dark agent here, uh, but that he's in the spotlight of her attention and she's giving him, like you said, Jean, the what for. Like, what's yeah. his motivation here? Mm-hmm. What's he's just another day motivation? in the office, right? right. Yeah. It, it, yeah. Care when the about office is melting down, people? but yeah. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> but does he care about saving people? Or does he just care about... We know, don't know, do we? Doing his job. Yeah. And I mean, I'm still... to maintain the, the timeline. I'm su- I'm still suspicious of the pie um, and this room that people seem to not mean to go to, but somehow but end up in, up in. And when they're upset, you know, and when <laughs> Mobius gets upset, <laughs> he's craving the pie. I'm like, there's something something up in the, with pie. the pie, yeah, something yeah. in the pie. But I, the yeah, key- I I love that Sylvie kept it real this whole episode. Yeah, um, very. 
Yeah. Because, yeah, I, you know, while we're sitting here and talking about this, I have horrible images from real world things going through my mind. And, you know, it's it, you balance it with with your own life that you're living. But mm. uh, it's you can't forget that that's this is the world. This is how this is reality. Yeah, right. 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 It's true. Uh, this for me, this conversation was the real heart of the episode, the heart of the TVA, this conversation about, you know, tearing it down is easy, building hope, hope is hard. Well, that's a lot of hope you've got to do. So it was the human heart in conflict with itself here, you know, having Loki and, and Sylvie debate this central issue. But something that really jumped out at me because when they talk about Sylvie not being able to kill Victor Timely because she saw fear in his face, mm-hmm. she had empathy, right? And then so she, so she acted out of mercy to not kill him. And we'll see how this plays out later, but there was another conversation from another uh, uh, storyline that really jumped out at me. And I'll read a little, little line here. Uh, people should know what this, most people who listen to this podcast will know what this is. I have not much hope that Gollum can be cured before he dies, but there is a chance of it. And he is bound up with the fate of the ring. My heart tells me that he has some part to play yet for good or ill before the end. And when that end comes, the pity of Bilbo may rule the fate of many. Hmm. Ooh, sorry. I got a little zap there. <laughs> Yours not least. And this conversation about, this debate of, you know, do you stay, do you rebuild? But ultimately then it also, there's this question of these decisions that we make and Mm -hmm. the consequences that they have. And when she does show mercy is that she showed mercy to Ravona and that got some other people killed later on. Right. So it's, it's just good. It's, 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 Mm -hmm. it's this nutrition that we want from the show, this storytelling that is at, it's working this deeper level. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, this the, all the conversation, the back and forth about it. It would be easier to burn this place down and start from scratch. Annihilating is easy. Trying to fix what's broken is hard. Hope is hard. And that's a lot of hoping, yeah. Loki. Um, yeah. I see they're both making points. They're both making good points. As we tend to do to us, with ourselves, right? Mm-hmm. Having this, this, is a, this is a conversation that people have amongst, with themselves. Yeah, like, yeah. what should I do? Uh, you know, in, in Judeo-Christian, uh, you know, parlance, the devil on, on my left mm-hmm. shoulder, the angels on my right shoulder, you know, mm-hmm. who I listen to. So it, it's playing out with these two characters who are the same person, right? Essentially, but they're not the same person. And but, how do you, and how do you affect change? Sorry, did I step no, on No, 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 go ahead. Yeah, go I was just going to say that, uh, and how do you affect change when the change that you are facing is this ginormous machine, this, you know, this nation, you know, in our modern times, you know, nation states and, and non-state actors, all of this sort of coming together. How, how do you as one person have hope to make a change to, to fix things? But then, yeah, then there's this whole other question of, of, okay, well, we set up, we, we watch them, we protect them, we give people, people free will, but not really, What's that about? This conversation was really mind blowing because they mm-hmm. they debate it. F- they really I don't, there's no answers, but they they don't they don't pull back from asking a whole bunch of really deep questions. And I love that because when she said, 
we're playing God, right? Mm-hmm. And he's and like, he, we are God. He's like, he's like, <laughs> wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, hold up here, back up here, back up here. We're gods. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I've been worshipped. Mm-hmm. I know mm-hmm. what that is. Mm-hmm. I've been worshipped. I've held the fate of others in my hand and depending on my mood they either stayed or they went like when she said that I'm just like who is Sylvie because Mm -hmm. for her to say that right doesn't it doesn't vibe for me in the same way because she if she's a Loki she's a god Right, mm. right. So who's this God that she's re- referring to? Because mm-hmm. they don't refer to entities above them mm-hmm. as God. Right. Interesting. That was and a remember- very human thing that Sylvie said in that moment. It is mm-hmm. true. A very human thing. Where Loki 2012, it's like, what the hell are you talking about? God. Man, we are gods. We're gods. Mm-hmm. Like, like, what is this concept that you're trying to bring up here? What, what's going on here? What? what, so, what? And he so, walks out. And he walks mm-hmm, out after he mm-hmm. says that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He walks out. He doesn't. He doesn't linger. He walks out. He's like, I'm a god. I gotta. I'm gonna go do. I gotta that. go. Yeah. I gotta go yeah. handle this shit. What are you talking right. about here? What do we make? Does this the fact that Sylvie wears the single onk earring? which is a, an Egyptian symbol uh, meaning life. I, I'm just going to simplify it. I'm not going to do the Wikipedia mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. article on it. But then what does that mean? What is that, what is that little piece of jewelry telling us about her relative to these conversations that we're having in the pie shop here? Um, that it, does she, she doesn't recognize herself as a God, but yet she's, that's but, what I'm the asking. Onk is about life. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's I think she's, asking. She spent her entire life uh, fighting the powers that be. Like, she's the original punk princess. Um, mm-hmm. Like, I, if it doesn't work out with Loki, I hope she and uh, Spider-Punk get together. <laughs> <laughs> so that's my Good take. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, interesting. I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. And the aunt is, is very prominently displayed mm-hmm. for, her, for her character. Yeah. Right? So... Is it connecting to something that we're just not seeing yet? I, I don't know, but which would be fine. I'm I'm happy to be. Yeah, given, you know, don't don't need to tell us before we're ready. Yeah, but, they don't. You know. But again, I'm. I, it just left me questioning, like, who is she? To have mm. this thought that there is another being, a, a supreme being out there, who's not Odin, right, mm-hmm. or not Bor. Who or not Gaia, but who who is she? Who is she? Because an Asgardian Loki would not say that. Hmm. They just wouldn't. So, so it gives me more questions about Sylvie than I had going into the season. I wonder how the thing. Ankh uh, and the Ouroboros how they're related to each other or not related to each other, or what might they be saying in, in relationship to each other for Um, research. (laughs) Another, another question that she brings up is 
she says, you're putting a lot of faith in those three back there. And I guess she's talking about Timely, Ouroboros, and Casey. Right. Uh, but I've, been, I've noticed it brought up on these here interwebs that those three back there, three of them, that's interesting uh, that we have a trio. Maybe there's theories that they could be uh, related to the timekeepers, uh, the statues that we see in the future, et cetera, mm-hmm. et cetera. So I'm oh. wondering if we'll see that trio back together in the future post whatever happened at the end okay. of this episode. Good call. <laughs> yep. Threes. Threes are or borrows, yeah. this minute. He who remains. OB. Mm-hmm. Where's Roberto? Right. OB. <laughs> yeah. yeah. This minute who who All right. yeah. That's that's a good that's a good question. Well to take us out of this scene, the camera mm-hmm. work, exceptional as the camera pans out of the pie room at a low angle. And Loki follows the camera and then passes the camera. And then Sylvie does at the same time while we just sort of, um, you know, get this, you know, the wall of pie that's there. It's, it's really exceptional. And then when we transition to the holding cell with the reflections of the prisoners on the ceiling, as we come down with uh, Bradley walking from out from behind the camera into our perspective, incredible, incredible uh, cinematography. I don't know who these people are, but you know, all the camera operators and, and the, and the director of photography people, but man, they are killing it. Yeah. So we, then we get, um, I love that the holding cell again, had that like Panos Cosmatos, that Dahar director. I mentioned that whole vibe with the mm-hmm. retro red lighting and the yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. soundtrack. But meanwhile, in lockup docs and her crew seem to have given up, but Brad slash X five, Rafael Cassell, uh, sure hasn't. He's got a movie star life. He wants to get back to, but his pep talk is falling on deaf, angry at him years. Enter B-15 and D-90, Neil Elise, who want Docs and crew to join them in defending the TVA against Renslayer or whatever other threats are coming. But the trust just isn't there. B-15 leaves, sending D-90 to go help the guys watch Timely, and Brad is arguing against accepting her offer when Renslayer and Darth Minute show up for more time box torture time, this time for real. Well, first Ravona offers them the chance to be her army against B-15 and the rest in exchange for their life on the timeline back, but most would rather die than fight against the person Doc thinks has more integrity. Most. All but one, actually. Sacred timeline movie star Brad Wolf, who definitely wants to get back to that life. Okay, Anakin. (laughs) 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 This episode is so many call outs to yeah star wars and lord of the rings and stuff like that i love it i love the stew so but it, it completely he he's sickened by what happens but he's okay enough with it to you know he he wants his life back so he's willing to sacrifice all of those lives for his mm-hmm. that's some pretty that's some pretty hardcore shit right there yeah. <laughs> was well, also that. none of the others know their lives so they're again like mobius mm. they're less motivated interesting right. Right. the onk right life yeah yeah i guess right you know i want those who are connected with their life have motivation and are oh did we just unlock something here they're they're motivated in a way and connected in a way where if they don't have it then they're just sort of going through the motions or and we see all the prisoners just listless sitting uh passive and inactive these are soldiers these were minutemen who are you know, used to taking action and being at the tip of the spear. And in here, they're just completely passive. Yeah. So interesting. Hmm. Yeah. And we also get, um, 
you know, we have the guilt that Doc seems to have where mm, uh, yeah. Brad says to her, don't you think you've earned your life? And she screams, no. She's like, she really feels she's not worthy for some reason. So mm -hmm. I don't know if we might get, maybe we'll see her again and get some more answers about what her past is, what, yeah, what their relationship is and what the whole Kate deal is with Doc. Dickie was amazing in this scene. And, yeah. and when mm -hmm. she, she delivers that line uh, the about um, now I'm really seeing the big picture. She was so good in this. I'm really glad they picked her. Again, the the, the casting has been exceptional and, and her the connectivity uh, you know, to all of that, to her anger. No, I didn't, you know, uh, I didn't. And, and then, you know, when she calls him Bradley, <laughs> yeah. what was their relationship? What was that deal? I know. I hope we, I hope there's still an answer. Uh, he, did you notice he was doing his douchey standing again totally, this yeah. time, uh, yeah. clipping his hands through the collar so that his yeah, arms like, are up and you can see the scars. Yeah. Yeah. And, and they and still haven't given us any clues to how he got that scar, that which is, is fine. Yeah. If we don't, I think it's okay. Right. It's just yeah. it's flavor. It's, it's background. Sorry, John. No, no. And I, I was going to say that she, Doc seems to be coming to terms with what she has done with her life. Mm. Mm -hmm. As she knows it, as she mm -hmm. knows it. Right. Um, she, she, it, it's, it's that moment where she's listening to B-15, understanding what, and listening to her and understanding what she's done and mm -hmm. then seeing Ravona just willing, willing to extinguish any life that's not mm -hmm. on her side, which is what she's been doing. Like Docs is on the receiving end of what she's been doing, mm -hmm. but we, we don't even know how long. Mm, interesting. Yeah. We don't yeah. even know how long she's been doing it, but she's taken presumably many lives. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we already know in this season, she's taken countless lives, right? And it's as if that realization is starting to hit. And as it's starting to hit, boom, you don't get redemption for the shit that you've done. Mm. Here's your reward. Mm -hmm. this, that's it. Mm. And I, lo I love that. Right. Because not everyone gets redemption for the shit that they did. Mm. Right. A lot of people, you know, do horrible things and get to live very long lives and we have to watch them. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. We got to watch some them. names coming up to, but I, guess, right I mean, I wonder because MCU has been doing a lot of stuff with the afterlife and the fact that she stands, Donk. you know, on her. Yeah. The <laughs> fact that she stands on death's door and says, no, I want to do the just honorable thing at the cost to myself in storytelling. That's often shortcut to whatever Redemption. heaven is. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's, that's fine. They can, it's they also can where you lose your head. Right. Yeah, you stand well, on principle. <laughs> yeah, and they can bring bones. her back. They can bring her back with, with that knowledge. But mm -hmm. in this at this moment Right. She went through that. She doesn't yeah. pay she she pays for what she's mm -hmm. done. Mm -hmm. And we and often, she faces it. She faces it. And we often don't get that. Mm -hmm. We get the redemption. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. We get the redemption. Yeah. We get the oh, I've done some really bad things. But now I've changed and I'm a better person for it. Yeah. Nah, fuck that. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, 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 no. Just yeah. in this season alone, you've pruned billions, trillions of lives. Yeah, right. There mm -hmm. has to be a consequence for that. 
And you you countermanded the from what the judges said, right? Yeah, you went rogue, and mm, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that's good. There has no, to be that's a good. consequence for that, and and that's what I want from shows is not a uh, main character crawling out from the dumpster when you told us that that person was dead, mm-hmm. right? You know, there's consequence. There are re- downstream I- impacts, and so yeah, you did this. You, you pay you pay a price, and yeah, no, I, I agree with you. It means something. It means there's stakes. It means something. There's stakes. And watching yeah. Miss Minutes, you know, utter delight <laughs> at their face as the box is closing, <laughs> and she is having a grand old time. Yeah, like, the animators are having fun. Yeah. Like, oh Minutes my is, lord! Oh my gosh! She's like a serial killer. Like, oh my sicko. gosh! <laughs> like I was like, oh. This what is happening here? Look at her face. <laughs> oh my lord! I, I love how before that, before, um, Docs calls her out and says, "Like, and you, this is really disappointing." Like, and Miss Minutes, like she's gonna care. She's like, "I know, I'm working yeah, on myself." Yeah, yeah. I was like, oh my god, this is like she is, this is next having level the time of her life. Real killer yeah. here. Oh my god, she's got no empathy. She doesn't None. have an yeah. ability right. to where right. Sylvie None. does None. And, and has growth. None. Yeah. She's m- And then you we have Ravona mm. who's learned of her role in, in the war, in the Kang Wars, knowing that, you know, she's capable of of, of leading armies to victory, mm. just standing there stoic. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. okay, you're not with me, you're against me. This is what it is. Yep. This is what it is. And that's just, yeah, it, it was great. It, it was really great scene. I'm glad yeah. that they didn't show us anything and it was so in the I. reactions. And we, so we talked I. about this reaction. with, yeah, we talked about this with on the werewolf by night pod where it's, oh, and they did it in Andor during a, a torture, during one of the scenes. I don't want to say too much. If you haven't seen it, go mm-hmm. see it. Uh, but with Bix where we don't, Right. We are part right. of our senses. Well, her in her case, it was we mm-hmm. don't hear what she's hearing, but right. we're just seeing the reaction on her own face. Right. Uh, but this idea of you don't need to show the gratuitous stuff. You don't need right. to splash out on VFX here. We don't need it. But they gave us the the sound of it, and they mm-hmm. gave us the the Brad's uh, reaction. reaction to it. And oh my god, that was heartbreaking, but yeah. also yeah. <laughs> And also an infuriating, right? So yeah, we had a complex yeah. emotional response because we mm-hmm. like Brad. Brad's mm-hmm. charismatic. He's when he's not being a complete. I mean, I empathize a-hole. with Brad. Yeah, you know, I would want to. I would rather be the movie star than the time cop too. You know, sure. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, there's a there's a plot in there. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so so when a show can generate complex emotions where you're having two three emotional responses in the same moment to the same scene. That's that's good shit. <laughs> that's, right, that's, right. that's right on. Right. Yeah. So that leads us into our final act, uh, when things fall apart. So B15 returns to the holding cell to find the aftermath of the Minute Slayer massacre, and D uh, D90 is pruned by X5, sorry, Brad, from behind while enjoying his cocoa. 
Uh, Brad begin, brings Timely to Team Minute Slayer, and Vicky pretends to be happy they're alive, but they are done with his bullshit. They threaten him with Timebox murder unless he tells them where to find his device, and he promises they'll like his answer. The Logies get separated by an elevator door, which Sylvie manages to pry open just in time to see the Loki self-pruning from Episode 1 play out, and we find out who was on the other side of that phone call. It was OB. OB has figured out that the Miss Minutes is blocking them from using their temp pads, and they need to do a total reboot to stop her. This would also lift the block on using magic at the TVA, <laughs> so the Lokis are very pro this plan. Um, Timely is stalling for time. When Miss Minutes breaks down, the last thing she says to Timely is, you will never be him. An X5 goes to investigate the power outage and a fake Loki voice he hears when uh, the Enchantress swoops out of the shadows <laughs> to enchant him into pruning Ravona. The Loki spring Victor, leaving Brad there alone with his pruning stick as they book it back to the control room where the time where Timely's temporal aura successfully unlocks the blast doors. Timely insists he should be the one to brave the temporal radiation and mount the throughput multiplier because he's the one who knows how the device works. But Carrying that heavy device, there's no way he can walk quickly, and he's noodle-fied. But it's too late anyway. The temporal loom has surpassed its overload capacity, and it blows, enveloping the entire TVA in blinding white light. Fair. Whew. Boy, what an ending. What a way to drop uh, episode four. I think the the critics who, you know, various people who got screeners must have just been <laughs> gobsmacked, you know, bruised jaws mm -hmm. from, from them hitting. Because then you're stuck. You got to wait. How, how long ago did they get him? You know, months ago uh, or weeks ago? And now you got to wait for the real-time catch-up? That would be right. pretty tough. I'm glad we didn't get screeners <laughs> just for that purpose. Yeah. So. Yeah, I loved the, you brought up the music earlier. Um, oh, again, Natalie Holt um, is, yeah, queen. But I love, there's like a tinkly poltergeist like music playing mm, in the background yeah, as things, yeah. as the tension ramped up. Mm. I know, there's just so much to, to, to think and talk about <laughs> yeah. here. I don't, I don't know where we where we begin. Should we just talk um, about the spaghettification of it? Is that the, yeah, uh, sure. mm -hmm. the big plate of meatballs in the room? <laughs> <laughs> that uh, scream, oh my God. I know. I, did not accept expect that. I, yeah. I was no, completely. No, I was completely. Yeah, I think blown I screamed away. too. <laughs> I was blown away because in that moment, I'm like, he's when he's saying he has to be the one. I'm like, okay, he's plotting something, right? Mm -hmm. And then I caught myself. I'm like, nah, he's not plotting. It's not. Mm -hmm. It's not Kang. It's not him. Mm -hmm. But I'm like, yeah, he's plotting something. He's plotting. He has to be. But Why it's still he, a logical choice, right? I still think but, he could be. I still think sense. he could be. It makes yeah. sense, right? It made sense well, from his explanation. And then he got spaghettified. Yeah. And but I, I don't, like, but maybe that was part of the plan. Maybe, I know. or maybe. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I just, maybe, I don't know if it, because I still think he was planted, I think, on that timeline as like a baby, maybe for this to be this fail safe. And I think that at least he might not be the, he who remains, but I think the, he who remains, this is part of his plan. Mm. So, okay. Yeah. Well, they're doing a good job of hiding the plan because I have no yeah. idea where we, where we go and get out from underneath this. It's, I think it's a reboot. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Well, I wonder, yeah, so I, I think, okay, so mm, okay. in okay. the trailers, we've seen, like, that there's that shot of uh, a jet ski um, uh, sales 
venue. And there are. I missed that. Yeah, and there are there are things that suggest that maybe they are going to we're going to see them on their own timelines. Like I don't know if these are new variants of them or if somehow like they got sent there when this blow up happens. But I think there's going to be like a putting the team back together thing happening next episode. So the the loom is collecting and feeding timelines, but the loom itself is not time. We I posited last uh, episode that maybe it's just all BS that, you know, what, what is time without the loom? Well, it's manipulating time. So yeah, exactly. time still exists without right. it. Yeah. Right. So did this detonate this, did this destroy the TVA and, and then mm-hmm. by implication, the ability to protect from all the Kangs uh, going to, to Kang war time should just be returned to a natural state now. Right. It's an unmown lawn, right? It's just going to grow. It's going to be a field and, and things are going to grow. Whatever they're going to grow is, is how it goes. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, that's so. a natural state of things in our world. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So like it's returning, not- returning everything to its natural state. Like Alicia. exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I loved um, just the again the Miss Minutes animation. The whole <laughs> yeah, I want I want great. like a GIF or clip of that whole her breaking down sequence. That was there so was, cool to see the animation re- regressing and yeah, yeah, it was awesome. And then the transition. So as she derezzes, mm-hmm. then we're what's behind her are the you know he who remains uh uh trium you know triumvirate the three yeah. faces of he who remains yeah. it was a beautifully set up shot and then he's but yeah there's a little that. there was a little floppy disk there was the little mm. sort of uh you know ascii art uh clock face it was so good sorry john you were and, gonna- and no and that's what he sees as she says you will never be him mm, boom mm-hmm. right. right i didn't and think we would get to be. hear what she was going to say <laughs> yeah me neither they, but yeah that's so yeah. good yeah. And and he's looking at what he will never become. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then he doesn't become that because he's spaghettified. Right. So, oh, really quick too, just on back onto his spaghettification, the way that they set that up when he comes into the control room and they're like, stick your head in this thing. And is, is it safe? Yeah. And Loki says, yeah, it's safe. So they set us up. They set, they trigger us so that when he does spaghetti, it, Pops even harder because yeah. we were just told that everything was, was safe. safe. Mm. So yeah, again, excellent storytelling. Uh, it, oh, sorry, I just keep going back to the the ending. I got I got one mm-hmm. more point on, on okay. that. Is that when he gets this is another uh, behind the curtain kind of thing. When he does get spaghettified, there's no way in those people in the control room could see him because the door is down below. It's in defilade. Is that what it is? I think where you can't see behind a hill or something like that. Right. So there's no way that they could see him that happened to him. There's no way that they would, they would have just seen him like, you know, a third of the way out on the, on the gangplank running for the, for the machine. Right. He didn't make it that far. Right. He he didn't even make it out the door. He made it, you know, just to the threshold of the door before they popped. So, uh, it's interesting because we do need their reactions and they hide this fact in plain sight. And they go right into the drama of it so that we 
don't think about the fact that we they can't actually see what happened to him. There's no mm-hmm. way that they can see him being spaghettified. But it kind of doesn't matter because what we need is for them to feel us, the shock so. and the horror. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So again, uh, you know, good job at going, God, how are we going to solve this problem? Because we've set up this whole two-level room. They're like, nah, forget about it. Just go straight into the drama and nobody's going to notice that that little detail. So um, again, kudos to the uh, to the <laughs> to the production design here, to the shooting of this. All right, so enough yeah. nerdy uh, on my part on those no. things. No, no, that's great stuff, man. Great A question stuff, for you guys: So, yeah. do you do you think uh, we had D ninety and Ravona prunes? Once Ravona was pruned, it was like okay, they're not like done with her. Uh, okay, so do you sorry, think I got gonna... I got to go back on this. The twinning, sure, sure. they they twinned D nineties. <laughs> Uh-huh. Uh, D, you know, uh, uh, getting pruned with Loki's mm-hmm. getting pruned. So when Loki gets pruned, we're set up for the shot. We get that close up of the scream of the face and then the right. the effect. So again, nicely done there to prime us. And then D ninety had his moment, right? We were talking right. about what was going to happen to D ninety. There it was. He he gets pruned so that Victor can be captured. So hmm. anyway, all right. Now I'll shut up. <laughs> no, I, I won't really, but you know. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, just wondering if, uh, we're going to be uh, back at the void next episode and maybe, maybe it's too much to hope that we see some Loki variants there. Maybe an alligator. I don't know. I don't think we're going back to the void. I don't think we're going back to the void. I think, I, think I mean, cause that's where Ravona was sent when she was pruned and I guess, yeah, D 90s with her, whether he'll be friend or foe to her is an interesting question. Yeah. But that, that was the prunings. Before everything went to shit. Yeah, but the um, Citadel at the end of time still exists. That Does wasn't it? destroyed. Yeah. There wasn't yeah, destroyed. Was there. She was there, wasn't yeah. she? Yeah. But the the smoke, what did they do? I forgot how they. Eliath. Yeah. How did they get him? What did they I do? I think to they, him? they, they didn't, right, so, like, hold, hold they on. couldn't kill him, right? They just. Uh, what I'm saying is that the the blast that we saw. Yes. Oh, yeah. That's a after good point. The, mm-hmm. the after, but that wouldn't. Yeah. Why not? Because I don't think the Citadel at the end of time. That's not within the TVA. I don't think that's at the end of time. But does it matter? Because yeah. That, well, I don't think it's destroying the entire multiverse. The blast, just the TVA, is my interpretation. I I think it's I I'm I'm thinking that everything is being affected by the blast. Okay. Well, time I, I is being I, affected by the blast. I think everything's affected by the blast because the TVA is destroyed, but not because like, so it's fallout effect. Hmm. I have to think about this. (laughs) Good. (laughs) Because they had already, they'd already unleashed the, you know, the, it's uh, time was already branching. So it was already affected by Sylvie killing. I still am not sure how the mechanics of that work, how Sylvie killing he who remains immediately made it start branching. But anyway. (laughs) Yeah. That's a good question too. Um, I loved, by the way, I have to give, uh, what's his name? Raphael, um, the guy who plays X5. He did, Brad, yeah, he did a great Sylvie impression when he was coming back in, (laughs) enchanted by her. He's like, I didn't think I'd see you again so soon. And even I was like, wait, what? (laughs) And he's like, that was good. That was lovely. The, and the, the downloading games, uh, that was a cute, uh, cute little line. Mobius is, yeah, I can imagine. He likes to escape. We know Mobius ah, is an escapist. That's a good right. point. Yeah. Right. Right. The, the monotony of his job and, mm-hmm. and the fact that he's disconnected from his life. Yeah, right. for sure. So another uh, quick Star Wars <laughs> shout out. <laughs> Did Sylvie's, Sylvie had 
a kind of mercy for Ravona by kicking her to the end of time. And we talked about this on Revenge of the Sith is that Obi-Wan not killing Anakin on Mustafar at the end, but just letting him suffer there on the edge of the, of the lava field, you know, and then he comes back as Darth Vader, but then we juxtapose it with Gollum. Like, well, you know, who are you to, to kill Gollum? Who are you to pass judgment? So there's some interesting uh, questions there. You know, what did Sylvie's mercy do? You know, it killed mm-hmm. Docs and, and all of those Minutemen. Yeah. It's so. a trolley problem, math. Yeah. Yeah. I don't so. got a problem with it. <laughs> no, it's not a problem. It. It's interesting. Yeah. I think. Yeah. 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 So. Oh, well, right, yeah. <laughs> she did the right thing and for her for her character, right? Yeah. And, um, and ultimately, like I like I said before, you know, Docs and crew face the music. Right. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I'm okay with it. I, I I just love this entire sequence. Everything about it, you know, just. Everything leading up to him going through the door. He's wearing this big ass, you know, funky space suit with <laughs> with the. He's all ready to run. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> he's all... run. And the doors open, and nope, <laughs> not gonna happen. <laughs> and I'm like, oh shit, what what is happening here? And then we pan back, and it's like, boom, and then nothing. Yeah. I just love that. I, I love that. Mm-hmm. Um, Ending cliffhanger. I really appreciate it. I don't know what's going to happen next episode or the episode after that. I have no idea where we end up, which is, you know, why I'm, Alicia's question is making me think harder about, <laughs> you know, is it the multiverse or is it, is it just the TVA? And that's a great place to be mm-hmm. until the next episode, until I get the answers to that, because now. I need to see. Right. I need to see where we end up. I need to see where we're at in the story. Mm-hmm. And that cliffhanger delivered must-see TV for me. Mm-hmm. Um, Agreed. And and it wasn't done cheaply, you know, because some cliffhangers are done cheaply. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. But this was an earned, they've earned my, my, my viewing for next week. And it was shocking. And it, yeah, it, truly. it left me confused and bewildered and I didn't know what to feel or how to feel about it. It wasn't simple and it wasn't cheap. Yeah. Like you said, it, 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 it has meaning behind it. And so it's still trying to process the meaning and that they cut to black and they cut the music even. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. Oof. And they've been talking about this happening the entire season. Mm-hmm. OB's been saying it the entire season. That's right. Right. Like, That's we right. don't fix this. If this doesn't get fixed, if this doesn't get fixed, it's been a theme throughout the first four episodes. And at the end of the fourth episode, it culminated in exactly what OB said was going to happen. Right. It's kind of foreshadowed in a way that in the first episode, you know, Obi's like, we have an hour and then something hits the glass. He's like five minutes. And it seems like every step of the way they're like, oh, we have more time. We have more time. Oh, wait, no, we don't. Time is up. You know, and now finally, as you're talking about consequences, the consequences hit. Yeah. They hit. They hit. And um, where we're left, um, man, I can't wait to find out. I can't wait to find out. Cool. All right. Uh, do you have any comics corners this week, no. Joe? Okay. All right. Well, let's take a quick break. And then when we come back, we'll get into some feedback. 
Okay, and we're back. We've got some feedback then if we've got no comics corner. Again, reminder, you can send feedback to mcu at thelorehounds.com or you can head over to our website, thelorehounds.com and go to the contact page and there there's a form you can fill out that'll send us an email and there's also a voicemail feature. Just click on the button and uh, you know allow the microphone thing in your computer if it's got a microphone, should uh, you can just record a video or a video, sorry, an audio and that'll come right to us and we can drop it in. And we have a Discord. Uh, we've got an MCU channel. Uh, I was posting some screenshots today of the uh, pie motif there. I love the repeating pattern of the pie. And I saw a cute uh, one of those posters that they had, temperamental temp pad. Don't delay, repair mm-hmm. it today. So, you know, folks are having a good time in the in the channel for Loki over on our Discord. All of those links are in the show notes below. But we have two feedbacks, I believe. We've got Marilyn and Abby, our our usual uh, reporters. <laughs> so thanks for both of you for That's writing in. Team I, Loki I, I lovers. Love, I love it. I love. Yeah. I love their emails, both of them. All right. Well, let's get into it here. We've got Marilyn. Hi, Jean, Alicia, and David. This one was quirky. Loved it. And the Scott. Joplin rag. Is this referring to? Yeah, this is written after episode three. The Scott Joplin rag version of the MCU opening theme definitely set the tone. I also enjoyed the background music for the Victor Timely show and the zany Keystone Cops vibe throughout the chase scenes. Yeah, I think we talked about this last time that that they they got the vibe right and it was a fun bottled episode in time like that. Uh, so yeah, perfect job. So Miss Minutes could definitely put. Uh, Mrs. Davis in her place. Oh, oh, mm-hmm. thrown down here. I still have not watched Miss Davis. <laughs> I know I'm very bad. What? Yeah, I know it's one of my big misses. Uh, I don't even know if I'm going to get a chance to see it. Maybe over there. It might be break. in my top ten for the year. I don't know. At least really? it gets an honorable mention. Okay, for sure. All right. If I got you some time like when I go in Hollywood, I'm going to try. Oh, you haven't watched it yet either. No. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, I have a category for my own ranking system, and that's sort of big misses. So, um, you know, okay. that's that's definitely on that list, at least. Uh, continuing, these tropes of self-creative, iterative learning AR are really chilling. Can't wait for the episode where you smooth out the tangles of this particular web and clarify some of the things I think I heard. Well, now uh, I want to know what you think you heard. Please tell us. <laughs> Uh, terrific episode three breakdown pod. As always, you touched on some of my questions and raised a few more. I found myself distracted by timely speech pattern, but it didn't throw me out altogether. I think the, the curve here is that most people had a very similar reaction to this, you know, in the larger majority where people were like, they noticed it, but it didn't throw them out. Is that, I don't know, you're going to say, but this, this episode was uh, much better. And I think, cause he was being more himself this episode. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely did not bother me. And I was used to it, right? It wasn't yeah. a, a, that sort of shock. You weren't so bothered by Well, Jean, you were no. making some excellent points about how- Yeah, I wasn't how, bothered at it all, at all. Yeah, that there was a good reason why he would present himself a certain way in public yes. in 1893. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I also assumed that it was something the character was putting on, probably in order to seem oh, less sorry. threatening. <laughs> there we go. Particularly to the bullies and the robber barons. I'll be interested to see if, in fact, it's something that the character is putting on. No, I think we see it. It's consistent in his mm-hmm. character. That's threatening this. to white people, particularly mm-hmm. to the bullies and robber barons, which is the point that mm-hmm. I... that I Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Right, because um, he's trying to be non-threatening. Yep. 
in the scene, right? So he's up there giving a show and he's trying to, if he's, if he's displaying some sort of flaw, right, then he's less uh, authoritative and out of place. Is that what good way to explain his? Well, yeah, because with 1893 America, mm-hmm. uh, a black man getting up there with what they would say heirs yeah. was, you know, a candidate to be lynched. So mm-hmm. definitely. After all, people do have different speech, do have uh, speech differences, don't they? I also had the impression that Young Timely was on his own when they first tossed the TVA handbook through the window. So we didn't see any evidence of his parents at all. Which gives credence to what Alicia said about this episode, that he was placed there Mm -hmm. as some sort Uh, of grand plan, right? uh, A piece on the chessboard. Right. Interesting. It seems to me that in our real world, there is no sacred timeline. Am I correct that uh, it was the final he who remains who decided on what the sacred timeline should be and did everything in his power to ensure that it remains so by creating the TVA? So, yes, she's correct in that. But also I want to say about in our real world, there is a um, there's a behavioral scientist who's making the rounds for a book tour right now talking about his book. His name's Robert uh, Sapolsky. Mm-hmm. And he's talking about his book where he, he argues that if you look at the evidence, it, it it's irrefutable that we do not have free will. Free will does not exist. And that we should see that as a good thing, for instance, as a way to <laughs> excuse some people. I don't, yeah, he makes good points. I don't agree with him, but I was just, Wanted to say, in the real world, according to this guy, maybe there is something like a sacred timeline. Hmm. Right. Yeah, and this is the determinism versus free will philosophical debate. Mm-hmm. And I think season one of Foundation engendered a bunch of this conversation too. Do we, you know, yeah. you know, in terms of mathematics and and uh, uh, what's the uh, math that um, is in Foundation? The oh, now I'm psychohistory. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to call up all the memory banks here. And a thought just occurred. Do you think that they have an in-plot reason for naming it after the Tennessee Valley Authority, or is it just a pun? It is rather attempting to go all Markley on this stuff. But then you have the theory of Val, right? Yeah. I mean, so I looked it up and there are people online who note that there's a similarity in just in like the bureaucracy, the Tennessee Valley Authority being a, you know, a big deal era program from like Mm -hmm. the 30s, 40s. New deal. New Deal, sorry, yeah, it still yeah, exists. It's, it's, it's still it could there could be com. some insp- <laughs> right there. It could be some inspiration, but obviously, you know, that would have been something that Marvel, whoever first invented the TVA way back decades ago, when they could have very well been taking. Yeah, uh, yeah from that. that's that's a good point. The TVA, the current TVA logo looks very much like uh, it, it's not dissimilar to the TVA mm-hmm. logo in in our show. So, oh wow, that's funny. But yeah, it it still exists. Federally owned electric utility corporation. So yes, Jean, this is not a familiar plot line and that requires some trust from us. This is one reason why I've never watched or been into the multiverse stuff. I am not comfortable when they toss all the rules into a cocked hat. I trust Loki though, because I'm familiar with the character from the previous films Mm. and they seem to be doing something of a through line with him, even though he did very wildly from film to film, depending on who was directing each particular story. Of course, you could also argue that that's the basic nature of Loki, to be mm. a trickster changing in multiple senses and to fool you. 
Exactly. They did a little, even in the pie shop, uh, they talked about Loki's past again a little bit, didn't they? When he mm-hmm. talks about his brother and stuff. So they're giving us a lot of, they're really rounding out his his character and giving him a lot of self-reflection mm-hmm. to think about himself and his past. It's, it's unique for yeah. a show, right? It is. It is. Especially with oh, comic book characters. Mm-hmm. All right, finishing up. And once again, Alicia, I thought that your flirkin was mine, <laughs> which really spooked me for a minute. And I was in a completely different house, a 25-minute drive away from where my oh, flirkin was so at the time funny. I heard it. Talk about timey-wimey. All the best, Maryland. P.S. As it happens, both Sir Isaac Newton and Harley Earl, a designer at GM in the early days, had alternate speech patterns. Interesting food for oh. thought, perhaps? Or am I once again going to go all Markley here? I don't think they're saying timely is Sir Isaac Newton, mind you, just that they might be doing homage of sorts. Hmm, Interesting. Thoughts? I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah, I could definitely see that being the case. Yeah. Cool. All right. uh, Next up is Abby, who is jumping back uh, into episode. We're going to jump back into episode four with her feedback. I absolutely love this episode back on the hype train and the gushing. (laughs) You go, Abby, go. What great visuals, such fitting, amazing music and the story that constantly surprises. I love that it started with an answer to what the recording Loki heard in the past was about. Order 42. Is this the Clone Wars or the multiverse? Mm. <laughs> yes, it, it, did, it was not uh, lost on my lost Execute on me either. Protocol 42. Yeah. <laughs> I was silently cheering for Ravona and the clock turning into real antagonists. I... Uh, I might not be a real Marvel fan as I'm not uh, horny for Kang. (laughs) Just don't find him a compelling villain. What even is his deal? Even the mad Titan, my keyboard refuses to type the name. It was a better villain in terms of motivation. Sorry. had to get that off my chest. Uh, So yes, the, to the, uh, the purple grimace as our, (laughs) as our big bad. So who is OB really? And what is his real name? As clearly Ouroboros is just a nickname to describe the chicken or egg situation, crazy circle. Any thoughts or theories to pick up here from Abby's question? I mean, I think they like Mobius is not Mobius is real name. So it could be, he has Mobius, I mean, I Mobius he, MMM. Yeah. <laughs> he's it's gotta be, I don't know. What do you think, Sean? I think he's, who do you think OB is now at this point? I, I genuinely don't know. Okay. Yeah, do you still I, hope he's a villain? Yes. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's where they could go, right? Is is yeah? I think you. Who's, one of you said it earlier that you know we could end up looking point of views with all of these different characters and their natural timelines. Just like mm. they 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 show Ravona having a different role in the Kang Wars. I have a feeling that so did Obi. Mm, mm-hmm. Was yeah. he the was he the equipment mastermind or what have you the guy who was su- supplying the army with right a, a and, and bag of tricks that they need. did something to his memory to keep him from ever being able to challenge him right yeah 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 that would be interesting that would be interesting that if and he the he who remains found yeah. ob and then that ob was able to devise whatever. Uh, weaponry and equipment that allowed that Kang to beat all the other armies. Right. And he, but he did something to him. Yeah, for so sure. That he couldn't replicate it. 
which is right, why we have right. the OB that seems to be perpetually confused, but not confused. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Interesting. All right. Continuing. Sylvie decided to join them and oh my gosh, Mobius really needed to hear that dressing down. Indeed. Mm -hmm. Enough with the stress eating to avoid the glaring problems. Every character in the show has to face the music at one point or another, but I'm allowing myself a swoon moment about the pie land conversation. Great Loki line. He sure has grown so much. Quote, unquote, trying to fix what's broken is hard. Hope is hard in that voice. Tom Hiddleston could read the phone book or a grocery list and it would just sound hot. Fangirl moment. <laughs> <laughs> You're I, not wrong. <laughs> I noticed a number of times, too, in watching Hiddleston's physical performance in this when he's running around and the whole self-pruning thing, mm -hmm. the way he runs into a hall and stops, he does this sort of slide right. and comes upright, or he squares his shoulders up, you know, when he's about to face something. He is a really physical actor uh, mm -hmm. with this Loki character. And it's, yeah. it's he really it has pays it. pays off. Yeah. Yeah. Miss Minutes is a statistic little creep. True. <laughs> I think we disagree. The system reboot and consequent erasure was satisfying. Loki and Sylvie got to collaborate as I was hoping for. So it turns out I was right. Loki was the one who pruned himself. Uh, here's your box of cereal and your internet <laughs> your points. Internet points. <laughs> and Sylvie's reaction was fun, uh, funny. Huh. In the end, Vicky did a good job. And Vicky is the actress. Victor. Oh, Vicky, God. I was like, what? <laughs> uh, did a good job, and I'm gladly saying goodbye to that character. Was the whole TVA and everyone in it just swallowed by a black hole? Question mark. Mm. What an ending. I'm, uh, well, quickly on the black hole thing, in the end credit sequence, there is a book that is prominently displayed. It says black hole on it. Mm -hmm. It's like a you know, popular science fiction book about black holes. So interesting. Well, yeah, and, and uh, OB said in episode one that spaghettification happens when you get you know past the event horizon of a black hole. So to be clear, when Hawking said this, what he meant was not like what we saw on camera, but what he meant is you get squeezed down to like this thin, one thin long spaghetti. But anyway, this looks much cooler. Okay. <laughs> not exploded into a bazillion. This is rule of cool here, right? Yeah. Abby continues, I'm not a fan of cliffhangers, but this worked. It's amazingly good to not know where the story goes from here. Do the Lorehounds have any theories? Question mark. Well, I think we kind of talked a little bit, right? Where we could mm -hmm. just end up with everybody in their own timelines. And then there's got to be some additional causal element that brings everybody back together or wakes them up. I mean, that's one possibility. I don't know. I'm reluctant to theorize almost. What about you guys? Yeah, I'm. I'm not sure where where we end up. I just know that every, everything's been everything is gone. <laughs> mm -hmm. Do is it one timeline that we return to? Do we go all go to the end of time? You know where Alios was last year, last season. Do we all go to Chronopolis or the, where where do we end up? Do we all go to each person's individual timeline? Does is that the reboot that that we're doing that um people get their lives back? I, I don't know. Yeah. Any theories, Alicia? I mean, so I, I think we're going to be seeing people on their own timelines in addition. And I think we will see the void with the people who were pruned. Um, Victor Timely, I don't know. He looked super dead, but <laughs> we'll see. But the question is, if the people are on their timelines, is are these other variants or are they like these people somehow sent there? And regardless, either way, who remembers enough 
to go and start like collecting them back for a team up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So this other book that gets referenced in the end credit, it's called the Zartan contingent and it's written okay. by a D Doug PhD. I don't know if that any, any bells ringing from that. No. Okay. It's it's very clearly there. So, you know, again, hunting for shadows here. All right. Uh, look- so I just looked it up really quick and uh-huh. it says that it might be one of the earliest Thor comics. The Zartan Contingent? It's, in fact, okay, so th- I'm quoting this from, uh, it's an article from Games Radar, and it says, in fact, okay. nobody, apart from the folks at Marvel Studios, of course, is quite sure what it means, but it's promised, prompted some speculation. Travel back deep enough into comics history, and you will meet a mercenary called Zartan, who first appeared in July 1984's G.I. Joe, a real American hero, number 25, yeah, published, published by Marvel. Yeah. So Zartan was a master of disguise and often worked for the villainous Cobra Commander. Huh. All right. All right. So it could be something, could be nothing. We don't know yet. Yeah, it could just be an Easter egg. But yeah. yeah. Okay. But the fact that they show, because it seems like the stuff they show in the in the oh, closing credits so far, a lot of it's been significant. So I don't know. Yeah. And it seems to, the ending credit seems to be very linear too, in terms of following the sequence of the show so far. So like the things that are at the end of the credits there are certain things that we haven't seen yet. Whereas stuff at the beginning is stuff that where each episode we're seeing yeah. little bits, if that sort of makes sense. Um, anyway, yeah. And there's also, there's also uh, from the Thor comics uh, way back in the 1963, there's the Zartans with an X. Yeah. Okay. They, they were, were, they were the enemy. Like an so, alien race or something like that. Right. Yeah. I think they were also created by um, the space gods, the celestials. Okay. 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 Ooh, Ooh please yeah. bring the Eternals back in. Right. That's what I, that's what I was just thinking. And I, and yeah. I was like, wait a minute. Yeah. So I don't know. That's a, that's a good get. That's a good get. Cause yeah. I didn't see it. I didn't notice it in the end credits. Um, Let's cause that was see. just a wash and other, yeah. other things. So now I'm going to do a little digging into, into seeing. It's very short. It's near the end. It's around 45 in this episode, about 45 minutes, 10 seconds in or so somewhere right okay. around in there. So, and it's when Kei Kwan's name comes up on the uh, list of, of actors. Okay. All right. Uh, Abby finishes off on Loki being killed again. Well, nothing new. We got used to it and not even worried that they'll be back in some form or another. Can't wait for the next episode. Thanks for reading my uh, lengthy tomes as ever your faithful listener, Abby. Thank you, Abby, for always Thank writing you. in. She get this one popped into my inbox. Like the moment the episode was over practically, right? <laughs> or maybe it was the next morning. It was one of she my said first she, uh, she was writing it on the train ride back from work. Okay. Wow. wow. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Well, thank you, uh, Abby. Thank you, Marilyn for, you know, it, it does. It, it's, it's a lot more fun when we get some feedback. So I think, Absolutely. I know, I think people are watching this. We're getting good downloads, but it doesn't feel like it's a feedback generating show. I think people are just going waiting. for the ride. I think, I think people's people are heads waiting. are spinning. Yeah. yeah. Mm, I think yeah. people are waiting for, for it to end to be able to really talk about it. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I do think that I know some people are waiting for it to all come out to binge it, which is, I guess, the usual, usual thing. And it makes maybe more sense sure. uh, with this show than with others. But I, you're missing out on the fun week-to-week speculation. <laughs> well, you got all these pods here waiting yeah. for you when you're ready. <laughs> I, I respect the binge, though. I respect the binge. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, for a show like this, especially with a timey-wimey thing, it could be kind of fun to... And there's only six episodes. Right. Right. 
Okay. Well, that wraps it up for uh, this episode. Let's quickly talk about some of what we've got coming up. Uh, for the Lorehounds, really quickly, we've got a bunch of stuff. We got a, got a little backlog in our editing, but we've got a lot in the can. We still have the um, Creator One Shot is coming out. We recorded uh, Revenge of the Sith for Star Wars Film Festival. We've got a Silmarillion stories in the can. So all of those, plus a second breakfast. So all of those should be, I don't know when they're going to be coming out, but they're going to be coming out. So, you know, stand by. Another thing is that Properly Howard movie reviews, they finished up their season of what was about a dozen films, uh, all covering remakes. And so they're on a little hiatus. However, we've got a crossover pod covering Severance. So Anthony and Steve are covering Severance season one episode. First two episodes for that podcast are out and then they're going to cover all of season one. And then the moment season two starts, we're fingers crossed. It's going to be early um, in 2024. That's the, the word that we have. We don't have a specific date yet. All four of us, John, myself, Anthony, and Steve, we're going to be covering week-to-week episodes of Severance. That's going to be on its own dedicated feed, makes things easier for production and all other kinds of reasons. So go seek out Severance, and Severance Lorehounds should be be able to uh, pull that up if you search for those. You can always find the episodes too on on our website. Alicia, you have been up to some podcasting magic. You want to fill us all in on the the wide <laughs> coverage <laughs> of Fall of House of Usher. It's been an amazing ride so far. So in addition to, you already mentioned that there's going to be the Werewolf by Night coming out on this feed yes. soon. Yep. Yeah, we've been doing some cross-pod Fall of the House of Usher Poe coverage. So there's the crossover episode that I did with Maester Anthony on the Electric Bookaloo, and you can find the condensed version of that uh, in the Woolshift Dust feed. We also did Fall of the House of Usher episode with John and I here in this feed. Yeah, my favorite, the one that I, my little baby I put work into is in the book club, a full audio drama version of the Fall of the House of Usher and the Raven uh, with the help from Dead Eye Jedi Bob. And yeah, in addition to that, there's there should be by the, probably by the time this comes out in the Wool Shift Dust feed. My sister and I did the full breakdown where we talk about all the, di- well, we talk about our childhood of watching horror movies, but we also talk about all the different post stories and how they were woven together for that. And then in that feed coming soon, there's going to be resuming the Dune coverage next with the Dune novel. Cool. And also some coverage of Beacon 23, the new Hugh Howey adaptation on MGM+. Exciting. And uh, and Abby and I have our first episode in the can together for the book club where we break down the book, Beacon 23. Yeah, I'm excited so that's for that. coming out beginning of November. You've yeah. been busy <laughs> <laughs> and will be continue to be yeah. busy. Yeah, I'm excited for that Beacon 23. Lisa. Yeah, good. Yeah. <laughs> Jean, uh, you teased on Werewolf by Night uh, some DC Yeah, we're going we're gonna to get into some DC potting in, in 24. So be on the lookout for those announcements. Sounds good. Excellent. All right. Uh, last thing that we want to do is just shout out to our Patreon lore masters, Samartian Cyrus, Mark H, Michael G, Michelle E, David W, Brian P, Nick W, SC, Peter OH, Bettina W, 
Adam S, Nancy M, Lavinia T, Duve 71, Brian 8063, Frederick H, Sarah L, Gareth C, Eric F, Matthew M, Sarah M, DJ Miwa, Andra B, Kwang Yu, Laura G, Dead Eye Jedi Bob, Nathan T, Alex V, Aaron T, Sub Zero, and Adrian. Thank you all so very much for your Thank subscriptions. You. Keeps the lights on here and uh, helps us out with a lot of different things. If you're interested in becoming a patron, as little as $3 a month, you can subscribe. We have annual memberships. You get a 10% discount and you could get the whole year for just around 33 US dollars. So that would go to support all of us and all the work that we do. So consider it. And if that works for you, great. If not, no worries at all. You know, we've got the public feed for you. We've got you here. All right, guys, two more episodes to go. Excited. I can't wait. Kind of. I'm I'm pretty, I've got a lot of anticipation. So Thanks again for covering the show and both of all of your hard work. We'll see you next week. Take care. See you soon. The Lorehounds podcast is produced and published by The Lorehounds. You can send questions and feedback and voicemails at thelorehounds.com slash contact. Get early and ad-free access to all Lorehounds podcasts at patreon.com slash thelorehounds. Any opinions stated are ours personally and do not reflect the opinion of or belong to any employers or other entities. 